Uh, today's scripture reading comes from Philippians 3.12 through 16. Through 16, yeah. Uh, if you have your Bibles out, uh, please follow along or on the screen uh, with me here. Uh, it says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ, Christ Jesus has made me his own. Uh, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it uh, my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards goal. I press on toward the goal uh, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think other, and if anything you think otherwise, God will uh, reveal that also to you. Uh, only let us hold true to what we have attained. It's the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to True North Church. Um, Happy New Year. All right. Well, thanks for the response. Um, I always wonder, is it Happy New Year or Happy New Year's? Is it Happy New Year? Happy New Year. Okay. I think for the majority of my life, I was saying Happy New Year's. Okay, so it's Happy New Year, okay? And, um, and also, like, what, what is the cutoff date when you're supposed to stop saying, like, Happy New Year when you see people? Is it, like, like, like you know, two weeks? You know, like, can you still say Happy New Year? Definitely not February. If it's February, you can't be like, oh, Happy New Year, right? But, like, maybe January 15th is, like, the cutoff date, right? Uh, that, that's, that's the last time you can say Happy New Year to somebody, okay? Um, well, the fact that we are uh, in 2023 is uh, really kind of messing with me because I still feel like, uh, we're still in 2020, and um, in the last two, point, two and a half, like three years, uh, really felt like it was, uh, you know, I really felt like I wasn't really living in reality. It, it was, uh, it almost felt like something was, um, kind of everything was on pause, and, and that, you know, the things that we were doing and achieving and, do, you know, looking into didn't really count. It was like, like a, a, another life, right? And, and I think it's kind of hard to explain for me because I think I still haven't processed everything, and uh, somehow, like, um, you know, everything associated with the pandemic and the lockdown and, and all the different changes that occurred and all the different turmoil that occurred, uh, I, I think it's still uh, something that I, I've, I haven't yet to process. And now we're in 2023. And um, the years that end in three are, are, I don't know, it's like, it always bothers me, you know? Um, I don't know, three is like a weird number. I, I don't know, for, for me, anyways. Um, you know, but my wife was born in 1983, so that's, that's weird. Um, but... Um, it's, it's one of the things that I, I think is really difficult is um, I, 2023 seems like the year where uh, I almost feel like we all kind of need to, you know, get back on our horse, so to speak, right? Kind of, uh, kind of look, look forward to everything that uh, God has prepared for us or even just in life, uh, maybe in our careers or in our relationships. It almost seems like 2023 is, is not only the new beginning of a new year, but almost kind of like a new beginning post-pandemic. And, and I feel that because of that, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of the unknown, and perhaps we're still kind of understanding what 2023 has in store for us. And, and I think with the new year, um, you know, every new year, there's a way where it kind of brings hope to the fact that we have uh, an optimistic view of the possibility that, you know, we have a new start, uh, you know, starting off with a clean slate in, in everything that we do, right? And I think uh, this feeling of starting off with a clean slate or the opportunities that it provides, um, there's like an endless uh, a feeling of, of refreshment and, and, a, and a, you know, a new start. But also on the flip side, there is a lot of anxiety because of the unknown. And um, just the, uh, the new year, uh, it always kind of reminds me of college when um, 
you know, at the end of or the beginning of your new quarter or semester, you feel like, oh, I'm going to get a good grades this year. You know, I'm going to go to all my classes. I'm going to go to all my discussions. I'm going to make sure that I study daily so I don't have to cram. And, and you know, so there's, there's always that hopeful expectation, right? Um, but then by the time you're in like week three, it's like, oh, no, I'm already behind and you're just cramming. You know, and, and I think this new year kind of has that feel for me. Um, so, I, I, you know, so with the new year, there's this hopeful desire to have probably a better perspective in life. Right? Uh, with a new year, we always have a desire to create better habits, uh, to get rid of bad ones, uh, to consider a healthier lifestyle, uh, right? And uh, instead focusing on things that are not, or focusing on things that are very important to us, whether it's family, friends, faith, um, our careers. And, and I think a lot of times we come up with a lot of resolutions and a lot of goals, right? Um, how many of you guys do resolutions? Right? Um, just, I think only one person. Uh, <laughs> I, I never make resolutions. My wife, um, every, every New Year, she always goes, oh, what's your resolution? I go, I don't have a resolution, you know? Um, and then she gets upset at me. Uh, but, you know, I, I think for many of us, um, we know and understand now that we've lived life a little bit, uh, that making these, desi- or ha- making these choices is a lot easier said than done, right? Uh, having, um, uh, like, these goals and hopeful uh, expectation of, of a newer and better life, it, it seems awesome in, in just in our minds, but we understand that when we actually try to achieve it, when we actually try to live it out, that it's sometimes very difficult. Uh, and I think at the same time, but having clear goals and, 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 and a clear focus uh, is very important for us. And so today what we're going to look at is a passage in Philippians where Apostle Paul uh, really lays out for us um, what the goal or what the rule of life for us as Christians should be? Uh, what, is, what, is the, what is the goal? What is the, uh, the, the, the aiming point? What is the finish line that we should be focusing upon? And what are some of the uh, avenues or what are some of the, the disciplines that we must um, partake in in order for us to achieve that goal or in order for us to have a, a healthy gospel-centered perspective on what it means for us to be a Christian? So today, I think we're going, to look at, uh, we're going to look at this passage, and we're going to see that what Paul outlines for us is that the goal of, of our lives is really to pursue Christ-likeness, that, that our main resolution, that our desire and our, and our yearly and daily uh, goal should be to become more and more like Christ, to know him in his death and resurrection, and that in order for us to pursue that, in order for us to achieve that goal, that we must understand that we must let go of the things behind us, and really strive after the things ahead of us. So today, uh, the first point is really, what is this goal, right? One of the things that stands out about this passage that we read is uh, really the self-awareness in Paul. Uh, Paul begins this passage by saying that he is not yet perfect, right? Um, In verse 12, it it says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, right? And and this idea of Perfection. Well, what is it? What is Apostle Paul actually talking about when he says that he is not yet perfect? Um, this word "perfect" for us uh, makes you know, especially in the English, gives us the connotation or this idea that uh, we have to strive after perfection. That somehow that Apostle Paul, his goal and his desire is to become um, without sin. That his desire is to be uh, someone in this life who is exactly like Christ in all things. But we know theologically and through other passages in Scripture that that is not what Apostle Paul is talking about. Because Apostle Paul, he understands that in this life, that perfection in terms of uh, you know, uh, morality and sin and becoming Christ-like is impossible because of the nature of sin that we have in us and in this body. 
So when Apostle Paul is talking about perfection, he's not talking about um, perfection in the way that we oftentimes think about it, but he's talking about perfection in the sense of completion. Um, It's this idea that he has not yet been completed in this life, meaning that his life has not yet fully come to an end. Uh, When we think about completion, we think about something where something has a beginning and something has an end. So for Apostle Paul, in his self-awareness, he understands that even at this point in his life, that his life is not yet complete, that there are still things that he needs to continue to strive after. There are still things that he needs to continue to seek. There are still things that he needs to continue to pursue. Uh, And I I think this is a very different uh, kind of mindset compared to what we live in because for many of us, we hope that um, by 55, like our life is quote unquote complete so we can just retire and just chill, right? Or realistically 65 or, you know, whatever the case is. Or, or we have this assumption that we are going to uh, reach some sort of pinnacle uh, in our career or in our families or, or just even just in, in life at a very early age. Especially here in the Silicon Valley, we think about uh, these tech billionaires who achieved uh, great success like in their 20s and in their 30s or even in their 40s. And we think, wow, that might be the goal that we should be striving after. But in Paul's self-awareness, he understood that that is not the, uh, the goal of a Christian life, that the goal that he's striving after is a completion or to, become made, uh, to be made perfect through the end of his life, that his entire life is spent pursuing this goal of Christ-likeness. And in order for us to understand what Apostle Paul is really striving after, we have to look at the previous passage where he says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then in verse 10, it says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That, that is Apostle Paul's goal. He, he, he wants to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, uh, that he might even consider the possibility of sharing in his suffering and becoming like him in his death. And it says, by any means possible, that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is to say that what Paul is referring to uh, when he's speaking about perfection or completion, is, is really to become conformed to Christ-likeness. And this completion is only possible when he knows and he understands the power of Christ's resurrection and he understands what it means to become like him in his death. It, it, so in, in layman terms, what, what Apostle Paul is talking about is that his goal of life, that every single day that he is living here on this earth, is that he is striving to become more and more like Christ, understanding that death in this life means resurrection and, and, and eternal life with Christ. That his goal is not to find success in the things of this world and what this world has to offer, but that his main priority and that thing that he is, tri- is striving after is to become like Christ in every single way. See how... I think a lot of times for us, when we think about Apostle Paul and what he's speaking about, it's it's very distant from the goals that often that we have in our lives and the resolutions that we pursue. 
you know, if you do have resolutions or if you uh, make goals in, you know, every year, the question is, is how many of us, uh, how many of us are, are, what is our, I mean, how many, for how many of us is our main resolution and goal to become more like Christ? Uh, when we think about resolutions, like how many of us say that, that our main pursuit in this life and our main goal in this life is to become more and more like Christ in every single way? I mean, we have a lot of good resolutions. We might even have a lot of good goals. Uh, we might have uh, things that we really want to strive after, but for Apostle Paul, what he is specifically reiterating and, and communicating to, to the people in, the, uh, in, in Philippi is that his main goal is to strive after and pursue after Christ-likeness above all things. See, for Apostle Paul, he understood that the goal of Christ-likeness uh, is something that not many people are going to strive after because it doesn't seem easy. It's not flowery. It's not pleasant. Uh, it, is not a, it is not a pursuit that promises comfort. It is not a pursuit that promises success. It is not a pursuit that promises uh, um, you know, a, a good life, but it is a possibility that this pursuit may bring discomfort that this pursuit after Christ-likeness might bring suffering, that this pursuit after Christ-likeness might become a very the very hindrance to your other goals that you have in this world. Now, I'm not saying that if you're pursuing Christ-likeness that you're only pursuing suffering. Uh, I think there's both and. And Apostle Paul, he understood this. That's why in Philippians 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 11 and 13, he says, now that I'm speaking of being in need, um, or not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a very famous passage that a lot of people take out of context. Philippians 4.13 says, like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in the athletic field, uh, a lot of people have that on their, you know, tattooed somewhere on their body because, like, I can do all things, right? Uh, but what Apostle Paul is communicating is he's saying, look, some, some people are called to suffer in this life. And Apostle Paul understood that because he suffered in, that, in this life. But he's also saying some people might be called to, to abound in life. And he also understood that because at the very beginning of his life, he had everything, right? He's a Roman citizen. He was highly educated. He came from wealth. But then he says, but whether it's to have little, to be brought low, or whether it's to be abundant and have a lot, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because his understanding is that his goal is not to be brought low. His goal is not to have abundance. His goal is to pursue Christ-likeness. And I think that should be our goal today, um, to pursue after Christ-likeness above all things. The language that Apostle Paul uses when he says that he is pursuing um, you know, what lies ahead is, is a military language. He, he is talking about pressing forward or striving after something, right? So in verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. That's, uh, that's a military language when it talks about a, an army pursuing or pressing on after its enemies. And for Apostle Paul, what he is saying is that with that type of vigor, he is pressing on to obtain perfection or completion. He is, he's pressing forward to obtain that I, this, this goal to become more and conformed more and more like Christ. 
And I think it is with this type of urgency and it is with this type of priority that if we are a Christian, that our main goal in life is to pursue and press on towards Christ-likeness. Now, this means that many of our goals, uh, many of our resolutions, or many of the things that we are pressing on towards might be in opposition to the main goal of pressing on towards Christ-likeness. Or it may mean that sometimes the goals that we have, uh, it, it might align with our goals to become more and more like Christ. But it is for us to be able to determine how that applies or how that aligns. And oftentimes, and just to be you know, completely honest, many of the goals that we set in this life, many of the goals that we set for our careers, many of the goals that we set for our families, many of the goals that we set for just, you know, our, just life in general, it, it may come in opposition with the pursuit of Christ-likeness. For many of us, I think the attitude that we often have is this, that we pursue a good life and hopefully it aligns with Christ-likeness. And if it doesn't, then you know what? We, hey, at least we have you know, grace. At least we have mercy in, in Jesus, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the reality. That's, that's kind of how a lot of most Christians, we operate, right? We operate in the way that we hope that we'll have a good career, that our children will have good lives and good futures, that we will be able to succeed in our, in our financial ventures, that we'll be able to have um, the, the freedom to, to enjoy the leisurely things of this world, uh, that we'll have a, you know, not, a, not an influencer life, but you know, like a, a, a good Instagram life where our friends like a lot of our posts. You, you know what I mean? Like, there's like a fine balance. Like, we're, we're not trying to be influencers, but you know, hey, we, we wanna have a lot of our friends like our posts, you know, and like, you know, message us on our stories because that's a good life. But sometimes that life is in direct opposition to the calling of Jesus to, towards Christ-likeness. Because there is a, a, there's a great possibility that your career failures is exactly what God has in store for you. That, was, that wasn't supposed to be funny. Okay. I mean, and there's, there's a, a true reality that the difficulties and the struggles of your children might exactly be what Christ and God has placed in your life to, to grow you and nurture you in trust in him. Right? There's, there's a reality that maybe even the financial difficulties that you may be struggling with or that might be looming in the future is exactly what Jesus desires for you so that, they may be, that we may be completely dependent upon him and have faith in him. So I think for us, especially here um, you know, in, in, at True North, uh, understanding and placing the goal of pursuing after Christ-likeness, that that must be the, the number one priority uh, as we move forward. Now, in order for us to truly be able to focus upon this goal of Christ-likeness, Apostle Paul gives us two very tangible and practical ways to do so. And the very first thing he says is that we must let go of the past, right? Uh, he says, um, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, okay? Forgetting what lies behind. 
uh, based on Paul's self-awareness and his understanding uh, of the pursuit of Christ-likeness, he knew that letting go of the past is required. Okay? And I think the fact that Paul says uh, that letting go of the past is required to pursue Christ-likeness is, is, is very important. Uh, in verse 13, he switches from uh, military language to an athletic one. And uh, just as a runner, uh, you know, like if you're in a race, um, you know, just a runner will, will never look behind him to see like, you know, where he's already gone. Um, you got to look forward at, at the finish line, right? That's the, the picture that Apostle Paul is kind of showing. He's saying, don't look uh, at what has already been passed. Uh, and this is not a uh, suggestion to just kind of forget everything that happened in your life. Uh, it's not to suggest that, you know, um, you just kind of erase everything that happened in our past. Uh, definitely, I think looking back and, and being thankful of all the blessings that God has given, looking back and learning from the mistakes of the past is very important. But from the context uh, of this passage, what we see what Paul is really trying to talk about, um, explain. What Paul is saying is that he does not rest on his laurels from his past achievements. Okay. Uh, and I think a lot of times... I mean, think about Apostle Paul. At this point in his life, like, he's already achieved um, great ministry success, right? And just from this uh, position that he's in, we see that he is a godly man. He is anointed by God. He has, you know, he was stoned and beaten. He was almost, you know, he's been persecuted. He's planted all these churches all over the world. He's spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here is a man who, out of anybody, could have just been like, hey, guys, I'm retiring. I am going to be uh, Apostle Emeritus. And I'm going to be chilling back at, you know, my home. And, and just, if you guys have any questions, if you guys want me to mentor some of your pastors, like, let me know. He, he doesn't do that. You know, he, he's not someone who looks back and, and says, look at all that I have accomplished. Look at everything that I've done for Jesus. And because of that, I can kind of coast now. For him, his work and the calling that Christ has for him will only come to completion once he is no longer living in this world. And so he doesn't look back at the past, but instead he continues to look forward to all the things that Jesus and, and God has for him in, in his work and in his ministry. Now, um, this is very difficult for me, uh, for me personally, because I am the type of person who has a good enough mentality. You know, like, oh, that's good enough. You know, like... Um, I, I'm definitely not a perfectionist. Like, if you think about the definition of a perfectionist, um, that it is not me. Uh, even, in, you know, like in college and throughout seminary, if I had to write a, like, I was never a procrastinator. That's one thing. I got, I got my work done early, but I like to get 85% of my work done and then not finish it. You know, so if there was like a 12-page paper, like once it's assigned, I'll, you know, I'll finish it, you know, you know, like a week before it's due, but I'll finish like 10 pages. And the last two pages, I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I just need to finish it, you know? Like as long as I can get like a B plus or A minus, that's good enough, you know? So, uh, th I mean, that, that's my mentality. I'm, I'm able to, uh, I'm not able to like, you know, fully get through or finish uh, the goal that I have, you know, and like even in golf, if golf was only 14 holes, man, I'd be really good, you know? But it's just the, the last four holes, I'm just like, oh, it's just so hard, right? Um, and I think a lot of times uh, when we think about our faith, especially now, you know, we're, earlier we're kind of talking about like how uh, we have like no Gen Zers at our church, everyone's a little older, right, post-college. And I realize when we really think about even just our faith, many of us, uh, we, are, we are living on the credit of our faith from our youth. 
right? We, we, are, we are living off the credit of, of, of the passion and, 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 the, and, the, and the, you know, the vigor that we had back in college or in our youth group or when we were single adults, you know, and, and we're just kind of living off that credit uh, and, and thinking that, hey, like all, you know, like, and for many of us, when we think about uh, our faith, when we think about our, our relationship with Christ, a lot of it is like nostalgia, Right? We think about, oh, man, that retreat that I went to a long time ago, you know, uh, or, you know, that experience that I had on our mission trip a long time ago, or, or man, that one time, at, you know, at the church that I was at, like, 15 years ago. Like, a lot of it is just kind of resting on the laurels of the, of the, the ministry successes or the things that we achieved or accomplished back then. And if Apostle Paul, I mean, in human terms, Apostle Paul is, like, he's the greatest Christian I can think of. You know, that may not be true, I don't know, but in my mind, I think of Apostle Paul as the greatest Christian, human Christian ever. And if he is not going to rest upon the achievements of the past, then what makes us think that that is good enough for us? We need to make sure that the faith and relationship that we have in Christ is present tense, not past tense. We must strive and pursue after a relationship with Jesus that is here today, not something that we can look back and say, oh, it happened in the past. And that is what Apostle Paul is talking about, by not looking towards things that are past. And I think for, uh, you know, one of the ways that this kind of shows up in, in, in the church and in our lives is we, we look at our current situation whether it's in our community groups or the churches that we're in or just even in our lives. And then we always seem to compare it to the nostalgia of yesterday. And we wonder, why isn't my faith or why isn't my church or why isn't my community group or why isn't this ministry like what it was when I was in high school or in college or in my single adult days? And I think a lot of times we are unable to move forward because we're always critiquing or comparing today with what we remember from yesterday. So when Paul says that he presses on to make it his own, um, I, I think it's, it's very telling that even for someone like him, who can, continue, who can technically you know, retire, you know, but he continues to strive on because he understands that that is the calling that God has for, for him and for us. Now, one of the things that I feel like uh, is going to be very important for us next in our third point is what does it mean for us to really look forward, right? So he says uh, in verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And he says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What does it mean for us to correctly and, and, and rightly look forward? Um, I think the nature of our Christian discipleship is uh, not founded in what we have done in the past, uh, but it is really dependent upon how we respond to what lies ahead. Okay? Uh, and, and what did Paul mean by this? What Paul doesn't mean is that he doesn't mean for us to look so far ahead uh, that you know, we are unable to see or kind of tangibly understand what we are actually striving after. Uh, in this language, it might seem like what pa Apostle Paul is talking about is the ultimate goal and the ultimate prize of, be you know, being in heaven with Jesus. Uh, and, and I think there's, there's truth in that. But uh, he's speaking more um, directly in what's directly in front of us. 
Uh, I think oftentimes as Christians, we read a passage like this and assume that what lies ahead is, you know, the only thing that lies ahead is the thing, the rewards in heaven. So the mentality that we often have is that, hey, as long as we endure this life and get through this life, uh, then we'll finally have our reward and reprieve in heaven, right? Uh, but if that were the case, then the command to press forward towards Christ-likeness uh, really has no merit. Uh, you know, what, what's the point of, of seeking Christ-likeness if our reward is just in heaven? So Apostle Paul, what he's really talking about is not like this lofty and, and, and so far away goal and reward of just reaching heaven and, and that's it. What he's talking about are the, the blessings and, and, the, and the challenges and the, and the ministry that Jesus and God has for us right in front of us. Um, it, it's this idea that if you are a, you know, if you're a long distance runner, um, you want to know where the markers are, right? And your goal is to just just look at the next marker. Look at the next marker. If you, you know, I've never ran a marathon, but from some of the people that I know that have run marathons, uh, I go like, how, do you, can you, how can you run for 26 miles? And they go, oh, well, we, we're not looking at, you know, from mile one to mile 26, we're looking at the, the next mile. Well, what is, what is the goal and what is the marker at the next mile? What is, and, and I think that allows you to pursue and to continue in that race. And for Apostle Paul, that's exactly what he's talking about when he says that we need to look ahead straining forward to what lies ahead. This means that we are no longer looking back and clinging to the past, uh, but it also doesn't mean that we are not looking too far ahead uh, towards something that is intangible, but instead that we must look at what is right in front of us uh, in order for God to continue to move us along in our life and pursuit towards Christ-likeness. Now, one of the reasons or one of the things that I realized that... um, uh, that was bringing me a lot of anxiety and a lot of, lot of stress was I was looking way too far ahead. You know, um, especially like, it's like, okay, 2023, here's, here it is. Like, we need to get back to how things were before COVID. And, and you're, you're like looking back, you know, so far ahead and thinking, oh my goodness, this is how it needs to be. These are all the things that need to happen in church. These are all the things that need to happen in my life. You know, we need to think about more leadership training. We need to think about, you know, like, and you're like, oh my goodness, it, it's just so daunting. You know, and if you think about like what causes us to stop our resolutions, what causes us to stop our goals is, in, is when we, instead of thinking one step at a time, we're looking far ahead into the actual, you know, finality of the goal, right? If you're trying to get, uh, uh, you know, more healthy and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I need to get all the way to the goal at, you know, like it, it's daunting. But if you're thinking, hey, just, I just need it one day at a time, it becomes a lot more manageable. And this is what Apostle Paul is talking about. In our striving towards Christ-likeness, in our striving in our pursuit towards being conformed more like Christ, what he is saying is, look, not, don't look behind you. Look directly in front of you because what God has in store for you at this very moment is the very thing that he wants you to pursue, the very thing that he wants you to uh, observe and, and, and to, to lean into. So for us, what, can, what, what does that look like? I think for, for me, uh, I was thinking so far into the future, you know, trying to make church and ministry and life look like the way it was before COVID, that I was uh, unable to see the opportunities and, and the possibilities and, and the people and the relationships that are right here in front of me. You know, so just thinking about the, all, all the different uh, people and all the different uh, opportunities 
to meeting up with people and, and, and pouring into people and praying for people. These are all things that are right in front of me, and yet the only thing that was uh, you know, filling my mind with anxiety and stress were, oh, what needs to happen like two, three years from, from now? You know? uh, and I think that is something where if we are really honest with ourselves, uh, we become a little too ambitious and we think so far into the future that we are unable to recognize what God has placed in front of us right now. So for some of you, it might be the very relationships and the people that God has placed in front of you. Uh, it, it might be the very people in your community groups or in your workplaces or, or in, your, in your neighborhoods or, or in your apartment complexes that God has placed right in front of you, and yet we are unable to recognize it because we are looking so far into the future. Now, looking forward is, is sometimes um, uh, not an easy thing to do because I think oftentimes um, looking into the future and thinking about the future uh, can be both exciting and, and anxious, right? Um, when we think about the future, I think there's a, a, a real understanding or the re reality that it can bring us a lot of stress, um, especially because of the fact that the things that are unknown are things that you know, become very difficult for us. Uh, it, it's weird because uh, depending on your perspective, when you look towards the future, it can be either exciting or filled with anxiety. Right? Uh, and, and, and it's just one of those things where, you know, neurologically, it, it almost comes from the same place, right? Like, the, the idea of the unknown can make our heart race a little bit. It can make us, uh, you know, like sweaty a little bit. And then, but at the same time, depending on your perspective, it can make you excited, right? Um, so, like, if, you know, if, if you're into, um, this might not be the best example, but like, if you're into gambling, right? The, the unknown of gambling can either bring you a lot of excitement or a lot of anxiety. Right? And for some, it's like, it just depends on how you look at it. You can put like $10 on a hand of blackjack and you're like, oh my goodness, and it's like, oh, this is so exciting, right? And then and it's, and you win or lose, but it, that was exciting, right? Same, same way, you can put $10 on a hand of blackjack and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm feeling so much anxiety because I don't know what's going to happen. And, and that's what the future holds. And, and for us, it's one of those things for us to have the understanding and perspective to know that this thing that might be unknown to us is not unknown to God. This thing that is not unknown, or that is not un, or that is unknown to us, is not something that God does not have control over. And if we understand, and if we believe that, that the mercies of God are new every morning, that His steadfast love never ceases for the people who are called His children, then then we can understand and believe that that God causes all things to work together for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, meaning that as long as we understand uh, what our calling is and we strive after the purpose that God has for us, that these things that might cause anxiety in us, that as long as we pursue it in a Christ-like way, that it should actually pr uh, provide us with uh, joy and excitement at what God is doing in our lives. So the things that are unknown... You know, there's a lot of uh, unknown about our economy these days. There's a lot of things unknown about uh, what might be coming in the future with, your, with our jobs and our careers. Um, you know, there might, there might be other things that make you anxious, whether it's your relationships, whether it's family, whether it's, uh, you know, just your studies. There's so many things that can create for us uh, anxiety. But when we understand that Jesus has already obtained all these things for us in our place, that there is hope and that there is faith and that there is uh, uh, 
a leveling of, of expectation to understand and trust that God is with us and that God causes all things to work together for our good. So as we look forward to 2023, and as we look forward to the things that God has placed in our lives and for our ministry and for us to pursue after Christ-likeness, uh, let us continue to do so uh, with hope that Jesus and that God, um, that he surrounds us with his love, with his mercies. Let's pray. Let's take a few moments just to, to reflect upon um, what it means for us to really have the goal to pursue Christ-likeness in all things, uh, that it, it really means, you know, and what does that look like for you personally in 2023? Uh, let's take a moment to pray. Uh, let's take a moment to reflect, and then we'll continue on in our worship.